Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 222 of the ATPHD team podcast. 222, by the way, is the specific angel number. And I know this because one, obviously angels are scientific and two, there was a period of my life where I kept waking up at 2.22 in the morning all the time. And I'm sure that is because physiologically I became habituated to waking up at that time. But regardless, I am complete, like I'm pathetic when it comes to the dark. I'm scared all the time. And so obviously I googled what 2.22 means and it's a positive, helpful angel number, a sign of balance and harmony in your spiritual path. So, you know, this is obviously an excellent episode to listen to if you're looking for balance and harmony and unintentionally I have put together 20 things that I tell my younger self so I feel like it aligns relatively well that would have given me more balance and harmony in my well at least in my life path I think so these realizations are those that I've had as I've gotten older and really have completely changed the way that I view the world and changed the way that I think change the actions that I take and so I thought why not today share 20 things that I wish someone had told me when I was younger. Let's do this. Number one, let go of the fantasy you've created in your head and accept the reality of what is. Stop sticking with relationships, people, jobs and situations for their potential. As Maya Angelou says, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. You'll save yourself a hell of a lot of time, energy and frustration. My God, my God, I wish someone had said to me when I was 21, don't date people for their potential. Would I have listened? Probably not. And I say all of these things knowing that I wouldn't actually change any part of my life um, with any sort of advice. But, you know, regardless, um, stop dating for potential. Stop I mean, jobs have potential for progression, of course. So maybe that one doesn't quite <laughs> doesn't quite work so well. Um, but situations, friendships, well, they could be X, Y, or Z. No, no, you're dating for your expectations rather than, or you're, you know, maintaining this relationship for your expectations rather than reality. Number two, stop changing to try and fit in and start finding ways to connect as you are. Loneliness is not being who you are regardless of how many people are around you. When I think of this, I think of when you're trying to connect with somebody and you're not being your true self, they're connecting to a shadow self of yours. So you're never going to feel fully connected to someone unless you are being your whole, authentic, vulnerable, probably uncomfortable self. Loneliness is not cured by trying to fit in. Number three, learning how to fail means learning how to better succeed. This is a quote taken from Elizabeth Day on her podcast, How to Fail, which I love. 
and I just wish someone told me to celebrate the endings of failing relationships, the lucky escapes of failing to get the job that I went for, the failings of everything I thought I wanted. In my 30s, I've definitely worked so hard to improve my relationship with failure, something obviously that I talk about a lot. And I try now to celebrate other people's failures as well as celebrating my own and frame it as a re-diversion towards something better. Because if you don't fail at anything, then you're not trying. And let's be honest, it takes big labour energy to lead the life that you want. Number four, you perform infinitely better when you're restored and recovered. Productivity does not equal quantity. Productivity equals quality. If you struggle to rest, frame it as productive for work. If you struggle to set boundaries, frame it as productive for your relationships. At at, at this point, if you're really struggling to do any of these things, frame it as productive for now. And then over time, hopefully, you can frame it as something that you deserve something that is part of a wholehearted life number five wear sunscreen shockingly this was in here and i am very much like a broken record but something as basic as sunscreen use is an indicator of the worth and respect that you give your body and sunscreen use is associated with a more positive body image but also i cannot tell you enough at 36 years old, how much I wish I put factor 50 on my face when I was 20. I cannot express this enough. There are certain lines on your face. Nothing wrong with wrinkles. And I'm all about positive aging, etc, etc. But I would like to positively age with as fewer wrinkles. I definitely think that over the last three years, I've kind of maintained that side of my skin because I've been so much more intentional with sunscreen use predominantly and skincare but wear the sunscreen all the time doesn't matter if it's great wear the sunscreen number six the more you say no to things you that don't matter the more you can say yes to things that do number seven your worth is not measured by your ability to change someone but in your ability to walk away without needing to we have to stop thinking that our worth is found in our ability to fix someone or to change them. It plays out so much in romantic relationships, but realistically it translates to any relationship. You show your worth by walking away from these situations, not diving in head first, and then wondering why someone didn't live up to your expectations. Of course, they don't live up to your expectations. You created them out of thin air. They weren't theirs to live up to, they were yours kind of ties in I suppose to dating for potential right number eight dismissing addictions as bad habits or self-destructive behavior comfortably hides their functionality in the life of the addict this was um Vincent Filetti Filetti who is a researcher and a physician who said this and this ties into a lot of what I talk about around um our disordered eating habits our overworking our um, drive to drink alcohol regularly etc are over exercising although over like I'm not saying that these things over exercising and food etc are addictions per se that's for another day but these quote unquote bad habits or unhelpful habits are serving a purpose for them and when we just kind of dismiss them as 
bad choices or self-destructive behaviour. Without any curiosity, we don't make space to learn about their function and we don't make space then to let them go and replace that function with something else. Number nine, relax. It always gets done in the end. If you look back at all the things that you've achieved in life and all the times you were stressed, 90% of the time you got it done and the 10% of the time you didn't get it done, did you die? Like, it will be okay. Now, make no mistake, there are certain people listening to this that think, well, if I didn't get that done, someone might have died. NHS workers salute you, you know, medical professionals salute you, military salute you, you you know there, of course, there are exceptions, but realistically, the majority of things that you're stressing about getting done, they always get done in the end and telling yourself that you're busy and telling yourself that you're stressed, telling yourself that you're worried about not getting something done is a surefire way to make yourself feel hellish whilst you're trying to get everything done. We spend so much time stressing about what we need to get done and forget that ultimately it does always get done in the end. Number 10. It's okay to want and to let someone look after you sometimes. <laughs> um, I had a conversation with someone recently about this. Um, I think it was a client. And we were saying, you know, she was saying, I wish someone would just do it all like come along and just help me and just do it all just for one day I said and she said does that sound weird and I said no I feel like that regularly the idea of someone and I said this on a recent podcast of just someone coming along and saying I'll just I'll cook your dinner and I will reply to your emails and I'll do all of this just for one day I am so grateful for my job I'm so grateful for for my friendships I'm so grateful that my body allows me to exercise and to move and get daylight. I'm so grateful for everything that I have and everything that I do. But sometimes just keeping myself alive feels really bloody exhausting, let alone, you know, supporting other people. And it's okay to ask for help. I definitely did not let people help me in the past. I has kind of fallen into this independent woman narrative that said, don't let anyone help you you'll be a needy woman and god i've had so much internalized misogyny in that i used to share those memes that were like i'm not needy i'm wanty or if you're an independent woman you're needy you're wanty not needy i'm needy and that's okay not all the time sometimes (laughs) number 11 success comes from being open to being wrong and consistently rethinking lean into the discomfort of being challenged listen and rethink instead of doubling down on your opinion. I often wonder what life would be like if we all did this and we all didn't get defensive when we heard something that we didn't like or when we were challenged, we didn't double down on what we think is the right thing to say or to do. This is something that I try and practice and I'm not great at it yet, but I'm really trying to practice being open to being challenged, especially by people that I love. That's when it's the hardest listening to their opinions and then potentially rethinking, ideally rethinking and then coming to either the same conclusion or a different conclusion. Number 12, you can have it all, just not at once. Trying to do it all, the career, the saving, the living, the relationship, the health, the friendship, the travels, it's pretty tiring. And although this is such a first world problem, 
I have really, really come to hate the narrative that we can do it all under the guise of being this independent woman or just anyone, to be honest, millennials especially. I don't think it's empowering. I think it leads to burnout. I think it leads to frustration and it leaves us feeling like less than or like a failure when everything doesn't miraculously progress into everything we've ever wanted all at once. I very much wish I'd told myself to nurture the most important things at that time and allow space for others to maintain or even slip down the ladder of importance, knowing that their time would come. Provided, of course, that I would have made time for them. And that is one thing to know. You must make time for the things that are important to you. But adopting this narrative now helps me make space for what's most important. And it stops me from feeling... That kind of guilt and shame way when not all area of my life areas of my life are improving all at one time. I accept now that that's not really going to happen, and I can't have it all at once, and that's okay. I question anyone that says otherwise. Thirteen regrets are useless. One decision differently would have changed the entire trajectory of your life, not just changed that one decision. This is something that I took from Matt Haig's incredible book, The Midnight Library. He didn't say this exact quote, but that's what I took from it. That's why I got the tree of life on my tattoo on my arm, because I am nothing if not a cliche. Often we think if we made one decision differently, our life would look exactly the same, but with that one decision different. And that's not the case. You never know what that decision would have led to and how your life may have exponentially changed had you made that one split decision decision differently. So there's no point in regretting anything because you just don't know what your life would look like had that one thing changed. 14. Intensity does not equate to love. Shocking. But I'm talking specifically about romantic love here and that kind of obsessive spark or chemistry that you feel when you meet someone, you're like, oh, I've got, oh, we gave me all the fanny flutters. Oh, that gives me the heck, that phrase. I don't know where I got that from. But I've come to realise as I've gotten older that that's more than likely an attachment trigger and not like my body saying, oh my gosh, this person is your soulmate and someone you should be with forever. Learn to identify this spark as feelings of unsafety and not soulmate status. I've definitely got to a place now where I've learnt that in the safest, the most secure relationships, the attraction and love grow from things like consistent communication, respect and understanding. And of course, well, for me, not everyone, like the physical attraction for sure. The physical attraction for me has to be there in the beginning, but also that's not the same as having a quote unquote spark or potentially danger sign in your gut. Because that spark is triggering your stress response, not your orgasms. And the real spark, for me at least, feels infinitely more satisfying. 15. Don't measure your life success by someone else's ruler. Because when you do, which you definitely will at some point, you'll never feel enough. You'll work to achieve something that you don't even want, you'll be unable to align yourself with your values and you'll just be left feeling discontent and then wonder why you feel discontent. Just because someone else wants to take over the world doesn't mean you have to. Just because someone else wants kids by the time they're 25 doesn't mean you have to. Just because someone else wants to get married doesn't mean you have to. Know your own markers of success. 
work towards your own markers of success. This was life-changing for me. It stopped comparison. And whenever I feel moments of comparison now, I go, is that my marker of success? No. Oh, great. Okay. I'll let it go. Number 16. People are attracted to your joy and your mess more than they're attracted to your discipline. Which is not the message they tell you at school, obviously. But we spend most of our adult lives striving for this perfection that doesn't even exist. Often this falls into, you know, a really controlled body and controlled diet. Thinking in some way that it's going to make us finally feel worthy. Worthy of attention, worthy of love, worthy of connection. And I wish I could tell myself that everyone who would love me would love me for my optimism and my ambition and my passion, my joy, and ultimately the fact that every single day I'm like, why am I like this? Like the mess. And I wish I could tell myself too that those things were muted when I was trying to control myself. When I was trying to stifle my changing opinions, when I was trying to change my body to try and fit in. I wish I could tell myself that. Number 17. Some changes look negative on the surface, but you will soon realise that space is being created in your life for something new to emerge. Sometimes I notice changes in my own life and I find myself kind of mourning the loss. But I recognise now that I can mourn a loss of something but know that it's a beautiful thing. And Pima Chaudhary talks about this. She says, it's a beautiful thing when you find a crack of light in the ceiling of change and look into the space emerging, creating something new and equally as glorious. Hold on to that hope and release the attachment of what was. Number 18. The red flag you're ignoring now is the red flag that will be the end of your relationship. Now, I heard this recently from a psychotherapist. It was on TikTok, yep. And it kind of stung. We often play victim to the end of our relationships. And I don't just mean love, I mean any sort of relationship. As if we're shocked at the end that way. But if we're, you know, practicing fierce compassion and holding ourselves accountable, if we're really honest, we know that Often it's just a manifestation of the red flag we ignored in the first place. This kind of ties into, you know, not dating for potential, not trying to change someone, not trying to fix someone. Stop running to these things, but also stop ignoring them. I know that the most interested people often come with a few spicy memories. And we celebrate that. We are all one of those people. But there's a limit to this. Don't ignore the red flag and then wonder why it cropped back up 18 months later and then that be the reason that you ended that relationship. Number 19, real self-care comes from your decision-making. Bring your internal values to every decision you make, not a bubble bath. I think we often think that self-care is like having a bath or getting our nails done or even meditating or yoga now it's always a thing it's always doing something and actually real self-care is saying okay what are my values and how is this aligned with my values self-care isn't the stuff it's your decisions and it's being congruent 
if you value connection, self-care probably isn't going to look like having a bubble bath. Although, connection to yourself. So maybe it will. Potentially, it's going to be more like reaching out to a friend and going for a walk with them. Or calling your mum or your dad or somebody that you love. So think about what's the most caring thing for me to do for myself based on what my values are. Please know your values. Number 20, write it out. (sighs) This is a really recent one for me because the other day I was journaling. I hadn't journaled in a while and tears were just streaming down my face. Not like the ugly cry either, like the cute... These tears are just falling out of my eyeballs whilst I make a non-weird face. This is quite a dream. And there's nothing wrong, particularly, in my life. There's like, everything's as good as it can be right now. Um, But the thing is, is I just kind of let these little moments build up and build up and didn't acknowledge them. And as a result, as I finally gave myself the space to journal, it was like they just fell out of my face and onto the page. And in the past, I definitely wouldn't have done that. My younger self would have never considered writing them out. Maybe when I was like a real kid and I had a dear diary. Um, oh, I've still got those. I dread to think what's in them. But as I got older, like into my 20s and stuff, I would never think about writing stuff out. What would happen is that it would all build up forever. And then it would come out in me binge eating or over-exercising or over-controlling my body because I couldn't let them out. I would physically try and shove them down with food with over-exercising. And ultimately, what we resist persists. But the best weight you'll ever lose, aside from the weight of others' opinions, is the weight of the emotions you've been harbouring inside. I wish I could just tell myself just to write more, just to write it out. These things I tell my younger self are a combination of musings from my weekly perspective emails, and you can get them for free. If you go to my website, emilia.fitness, and hit weekly emails, I don't spam you, I don't have the time to be quite honest. But I talk about things I tell my younger self. I give you free journaling prompts, things to mull over, focuses for the week, every single Monday. So if you like this podcast, then you'll like that too. Thank you, bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.